This podcast is brought to you by Knowledge at Wharton. Our guests today are Mahmoud Mohaideen, uh, the Senior Vice President at the World Bank Group in charge of partnerships, and also Georgia Petkowski, who is a Senior Fellow at the Zicklin Center. Uh, Mahmoud, Georgia, thank you so much for joining us today on Knowledge at Wharton. Thank you so much for having yeah, me. Thank you for having me. Uh, Mahmoud, uh, maybe to begin with you, when we met in Washington, D.C. last year, we were talking about the Sustainable Development Goals. Uh, and I was wondering if we could begin by talking about where where are things today? Where where uh, where do things stand in terms of the implementation of those goals? Right. There are many ways and uh, in looking at the progress on the SDGs. One of them is the official way of handling um, the progress. So if you measure it by the number of uh, presentations and submissions to the UN system through ministers of finance and development, it is going to be on the increase because many more countries have committed to present their uh, plans for the 2030 um, agenda. And uh, they are all going to be doing that in July uh, this year at uh, the UN headquarters in New York. So you can really see that there is some sort of official uh, commitment um, demonstrated by the number of uh, ministers and governments uh, participating this year. That will bring the total um, of um, submissions and presentations to more than 110 countries. So this is more than half of the membership of uh, the UN, which is 193 countries. Then you take it into the uh, more practical level at the national uh, level, how many countries have done better in terms of designing their own uh, national plans, uh, designed their own budgets to deal with the SDGs. I would say that not all of those who submitted have done that. Um, there is always uh, a difference between what's happening in reality and uh, the official presentations. And the measure of that is basically how many countries that you can uh, log in their uh, websites and see the SDGs in their budgets. And uh, you'll, you will be uh, surpri uh, surprised to see that there are only very uh, uh, small number of countries which have done that so far. Um, the, the justification could be that still the third year since the launching of the SDGs, mm -hmm. that uh, some of the lines of business are continuing, but without really naming or renaming them under the new uh, SDGs. But um, um, coming from a finance institution, we take matters more seriously when you see the government uh, plans are reflected in their budget uh, priorities. The third level, which is m more important than the two, is basically the local level. Mm -hmm. To what extent you have seen um, uh, improvements in people's lives or the policies and institutions addressing their issues of concern uh, since the launching of the SDGs in 2015. Um, as we know, the SDGs or the Sustainable Development Goals are about 
more inclusive growth, better social development, and better consideration for environment and uh, climate change uh, issues. Um, again, not all countries have done that at the local level. There are some uh, good, bright uh, cases. I was in Colombia recently. I've seen some good progress. I, um, I know that there are other Latin American countries, including uh, Mexico and others, who are taking this issue seriously. There are countries in the East, like uh, China and Vietnam and Korea and Japan, who have the good investments in, uh, in the connection between the central level and the local level. Mm -hmm. India have done uh, well in that front as well. In Africa, um, I think there are many issues that are constraining governments, but again, you can really see countries like uh, Rwanda uh, doing very well in this front. This doesn't mean that others are not doing, but basically I'm trying to give examples of uh, exceptional um, uh, progress in terms of the commitment of the leadership and translating this commitment into some sort of uh, localized uh, solutions. So are you happy with the progress so far, or do you think things are running a little bit later than you would like? Yeah, well, it's very much related to the performance at the country level. So it, it's not my happiness with the people's happiness that matter here. If you are seeing this kind of improvement at the local level and people are more engaged and seeing some sort of better impact on reduction of poverty, improvement in, on health and education services and the rest of the 17 goals, you can see every development agency and its staff like me happy with the progress. Georgia, turning to you, uh, one of the initiatives that uh, you and the Zicklin Center have been collaborating on uh, with the World Bank Group and other partners is the Ideas for Action, which is a way to inspire young people to get involved in coming up with ideas to make the Sustainable Development Goals a reality. Uh, how, how is that program coming along, based on what Mahmoud just said, uh, in terms of countries that are not perhaps doing as much as they could be doing as quickly as they should be doing. I mean, this year we are really surprised. I mean, last year we were surprised because we doubled the proposals, but this year we tripled the proposals, which uh, uh, clearly demonstrate tremendous interest from young people to be part of this process, to own the process, and at the same time to come with actionable, actionable ideas of implementation. So what Mahmoud was referring, that the government is signaling commitment to these issues. Now the question is, because the implementation at the end of the day will not happen just because the government engaged. You have to engage the private sector. You have to engage young entrepreneurs. And this is something where we would like to interfere, I mean, engage with. And the fact that we, in addition to students, we have young entrepreneurs and young professionals, that means that they are also making kind of not just pressure, but making the CEOs of the companies more comfortable that they have already young people working for them who can come with innovative ideas. So basically, we triple the, triple the proposals. We have over 2,100. Uh, the number of teams was four times higher than that. We have examples of business association like the German-Brazilian Chamber of Commerce, which utilize the network of companies to engage them, in, uh, young professionals to generate ideas. In Eastern Europe, a pharmaceutical company, uh, Hemofarm, uh, use this as a platform not only to generate ideas to make their company more sustainable or engagement in sustainability, but at the same time really to communicate to the government that 
corporations can get engaged with additional and critical knowledge of how to deal with these issues. So that's really very encouraging to know that the amount of participation has increased so much. What are some of the reasons that drove this increase? I think the philosophy of this program that is not just about competition, but is a platform for learning, platform for exchanging knowledge, and critically, critically local partnership. I mean, we made some major breakthroughs, for example, in Egypt, uh, and that was driven by uh, Idea for Action Egypt Club, major breakthrough in Nigeria, but Idea for Action African Club. I already mentioned the uh, Hemaform, the, the company in Eastern Europe. I mentioned the Chamber of Commerce. So basically, I think the collaboration between the Ziegler Center and the World Bank is more or creating that platform and facilitating so that the local uh, initiatives are better designed and also support so that they can generate uh, better ideas. Uh, coming back to you, how, how does the idea for Ideas for Action program fit in more broadly with what you and the World Bank are trying to achieve with the Sustainable Development Goals? One of the main uh, things that came out from uh, the UN discussions of the SDGs and one of the main things that we are pushing in the bank is the um, issue of partnerships. Uh, it's one of the goals um, of the Sustainable uh, Development uh, Agenda. And in our case, it's basically about how to rely on, on our own comparative advantage when it comes to finance or knowledge, uh, but realizing as well that others would have their own comparative advantages in some particular fields, uh, the advantage of uh, doing uh, this kind of partnership with uh, Wharton as um, uh, a place of excellence when it comes to knowledge and academia, um, the partnerships with the business uh, sector, and the par partnership with uh, young minds and uh, young people with their own ideas and uh, their own ways of challenging the status quo. And, uh, and actually, the whole thing came out from here. I was invited by Georgie um, uh, 40 years ago to one of his uh, classes and based on an exchange and uh, of ideas and discussion on my way back to Washington DC I called him from the train I said well why don't we start having all of these ideas institutionalized rather than having them coming out from a seminar or a lecture so let's have that and let not limit not limited to Wharton and make it a kind of a big uh, platform and the idea developed and this is the fourth year we have thousands of participants uh, from around the world, from more than 120 countries, um, uh, coming with their own uh, proposals. Uh, tough competition, because—and um, actually, the difficulty now is not for those who wrote the proposals and finishing them. The difficulty, as it happened last year and the year before, for those who are going to be assessing such high quality of good ideas, um, mixing— very good understanding in a positive way, good understanding of the problems in their neighborhoods, in their villages, in their townships, and their urban areas as well, with whatever they learned in school and university, with their exposure of different ideas coming through the open space of ideas around the world, and getting that all in a way to convince very tough uh, assessors of what could be really a, a good, workable, scalable uh, proposal on finance uh, for, uh, for development. 
You mentioned 120 countries uh, uh, involved in this exercise. Uh, is it your sense that uh, it is primarily the developing countries that should be focusing on the SDGs? Or is this also something for the developed countries to focus on? For example, are SDGs also important for the U.S.? Uh, it is. Uh, the, um, the main thing about the SDGs in comparison to uh, its predecessor, the MDGs, um, or the Millennium Development Goals in the past, which ended in 2015, that the uh, previous uh, goals were basically focusing on uh, developing countries and human development and with particular areas of work, only eight goals. Uh, the new and the more challenging aspect of the SDGs, it's universal, universality. It is addressing the challenges in the poorest of the countries uh, in the world and the challenges as well of progress and maintaining what, what you have and um, improving on it in the most advanced of the economies. And um, if we measure it again by the submissions, uh, you will be happy to see that there is this enthusiasm uh, by developing countries Countries, but again, many of the OECD countries, uh, the Nordics, uh, uh, some of the richest countries in the world were in the forefront, including the G20 and the G7 uh, countries, have been submitting earlier than others just to challenge themselves and their communities about what's going to be happening in the future. Uh, Georgia, Mahmoud referred to the, the tremendous difficulty of taking all these thousands of wonderful ideas and trying to cherry-pick some of the most impactful ideas. How do you do that? What's, how, how do you select which are the best ideas that should be focused on and prioritized? Okay, let me first mention that those who are making the selection are also very motivated to do that, because for them, that's exposing themselves to the reality on the ground. So it's a mutually learning process. When we have uh, people from IFC or the World Bank selecting these projects in a particular country, for example, they will get pretty clear idea what from young people perspectives are priorities for these countries. And there are very different layers of selection uh, so that in each layer they get more feedback on how to improve their proposals. And of course the final Final proposals will end up in the book, which is published by the World Bank, which goes through very uh, elaborate editing. Uh, uh, so uh, the bottom line basically is, yes, it takes time, but if you don't look at that as a mechanical process of selection, but as a process of learning and providing feedback for those who are participating, it's very fulfilling. I'm sure it is. <clears throat> now, coming back to you, uh, uh, these days, there's a tremendous focus on science and technology and innovation uh, as, a, as, as game changers in how, how the world uh, of business is evolving and, and the world of economic development is evolving. Uh, how do you see the role of innovation and science and technology in the implementation of the SDGs uh, overall, but also in the kind of ideas that are proposed through initiatives like Ideas for Action? This is a very good question. The STI, or Science, Technology, and Innovation, were included in the documents of ADIS, which are basically the documents related to the implementation of the Sustainable uh, Development Goal. There is a full chapter on that. But, uh, and as you know, ADIS happened in July 2015. But because of the fast changes that are happening in the areas of science and innovation and uh, technology, 
and uh, this big uh, discussion about the implications of the fourth industrial revolution. If you write this chapter today, despite the fact that it's only three years old, you, it will be a completely different uh, chapter in terms of the ways of handling the matter, in terms of the kind of partnerships. You feel that in the Addis agenda, it was more of the responsibility of the government alone to do that, and perhaps to partner with the uh, centers of excellence and the uh, private sector. Now, in reality, you can really see who are driving the, the, the changes in this area. Yes, government is involved in different aspects. It can uh, incubate and support and give a good platform for uh, uh, the flourishing of uh, new ideas and uh, better technological solutions. But if the private sector, business and academia that are basically behind all of these new um, ideas. So I think the emphasis will be different and uh, the kind of achievable uh, outcomes from a focus on science, technology and innovation, rather than dealing with it as a kind of a separate sector, it should be mainstreamed and integrated in every aspect of work, including how to get better data by using big data solutions and other means um, to get uh, um, better evidence of what works and what doesn't work. When we talk about finance, to what extent the use of technology, mobile money, uh, crowding finance, the new technologies, um, including uh, blockchain and some of its good and controversial outcomes as well, how can we consider them? Um, when we talk about implementation, how technology can enable um, a, a hospital or a clinic in, a, in a, a remote village to get the best ideas coming out, say, from the United States of America when it comes to to good solutions to um, uh, to medical problems and diseases so all of all of these kinds of new ideas associated with STI needs to get us into a more dynamic version of considering it rather than just say well getting more from the government and ignoring the private sector and the academic centers when it comes to um, the partnerships well, one of the most interesting things that uh, Mahmoud just mentioned, uh, Georgia, is the role of academia uh, in, in, in uh, helping to come up with these ideas. How do you see, in, from your perspective of the Ideas for Action program, the role of academic institutions in, in making the, these kinds of initiatives successful? Yeah. I mean, let me just step back before directly answering that question. Uh, over the weekend, uh, the Zingli Center organized an event uh, related to uh, uh, blockchain. Yes. And there was an interesting presentation from a colleague from MIT who basically said most of the disruptive innovations in that space come from people between 24 and 28 years old. Mm -hmm. So you ask the question, what kind of education they got before they got there? So I think from academic perspective, we have at least two challenges. One is to go beyond the traditional boundaries because in this space of uh, uh, blockchains, you see people from uh, technology side and lawyers to make sure that they don't get in trouble. Yes. But they are development experts, business people are not there. So I would argue that there is still a disconnect uh, between what are the most exciting technological solutions 
and what are the real needs on the ground that needs to be addressed to this. And I think that that hit uh, uh, Silicon Valley is already feeling. There is no major new ideas coming from there because it's more kind of kind of a linear improvement on the technology side, but not a major change of identifying the real problems that can be handled and make money, by the way. It's not just an abstract philanthropy or uh, development issues. Now, of course, uh, on the academia side, one big benefit of this whole initiative is that we, from one side, we capture the reality on the ground, but we also get understanding of what are the gaps in terms of knowledge and skills that these young people are coming and cannot utilize them because they are facing a little bit different reality than what is sometimes presented in the regular education. And for academics, I think identifying these gaps is a good reminder that in addition of publishing papers, they also need to be a little bit more focused and careful how through that process we are preparing the next generation of uh, leaders or entrepreneurs so that they really deal with these uh, fundamental issues. Great. Well, uh, looking now to the future a little bit, uh, one of the biggest issues that the world faces today is that of gen gender imbalance mm -hmm. uh, and how even the resources that exist are distributed so unequally between men and women. Uh, uh, if you think about the use of innovation and science and technology in, in not just empowering women, but, but bringing about greater gender uh, parity around the world. Uh, what are some of the new ideas that can be implemented uh, to, to, to drive that sort of change? You know, Mahmoud, I wonder if you have any thoughts on new initiatives that could point yeah. in that direction. Yeah, just to recognize and confirm what you said, the problems related to inequality, discrepancy, and unfairness against women are all over, not just in the developing countries, but in many of the uh, advanced economies as well, Absolutely. when it comes to pay, uh, opportunities, fairness in, in dealing. Um, but when it comes to developing countries, women would be suffering from the same problems like, like what men would suffer from, but they have their own problems as well. And uh, one of the new initiatives that we are trying to uh, develop and to launch during the spring meetings of the World Bank and the IMF um, in April uh, this year is an, an initiative that would link the SDGs to uh, women entrepreneurs, recognizing that if you happen to be a woman in a rural area under the age of 25, so each one of what I said now, being a woman in a rural area under 25, brings different aspects of these advantages and discrimination when it comes to financial inclusion, access to market, and access to opportunities. We can really see that technology and innovation, especially in the IT field, could really <clears throat> bring many good solutions to these problems. But you need to have the investments. Um, some of these investments could be related to the digital world, but many of them could be analog investments. We shouldn't really be um, undermining the importance of good education, uh, good access on the road, um, uh, better investment in nutrition and health for, uh, for women as well. Having said that, we are um, um, in partnership again with the Zeckland Center and Wharton Business School and uh, with the UN system through the participation of the United Nations the development program with the uh, UN women, um, uh, with variety of economic commissions of the UN system and the business sector. We are having an initiative, we're calling it SDGs and HER. 
So it's sustainable development goals and uh, women in all ages. But we're focusing on the role of women as entrepreneurs and uh, through their own micro enterprises and whatever they are investing of their time and their efforts and their talents uh, in order to bring um, uh, some solutions to uh, their poverty uh, and the poverty of their families and the poverty of their neighborhoods. Uh, so, George, it sounds like a very interesting initiative. From the Zicklin Center's point of view, uh, what is your perspective? How would this fit in with the work that you're already doing for Ideas for Action? And where would you like to see this initiative go? Well, from one side, there's a tremendous complementarity in this, because many proposals we receive are coming from young girls and, uh, and, and women, so the connection is uh, already there. And also, we would like, through this engagement, to utilize this not as a competition for good ideas or, or recognizing a woman who've been successful so far, but also utilizing the resources that Wharton and other academic institutions have to provide a platform where they can better equip themselves to take a leadership role. Because it's not a matter whether... We cannot just separate the fact that they are not equally paid. Mm -hmm. We first have, not first, at least in parallel, we have to address, are they equally equipped? Do they have opportunity to really get access to that knowledge that will make them more creative, more productive? And through that, and what Mahmoud mentioned, I think the critical question is their role as a heads of the families. So it's not just about a woman, it's about their family, about encouraging their own uh, daughters uh, to get in this, uh, in this space. So I think from our perspective, definitely this is something where we would like to go, you know, stronger. <laughs> Uh, to, to, to sort of wrap this up with one final question for each of you, uh, if, if I were to ask you to gaze into the crystal ball and, and, and look at the future, the next you know, 12 to 24 months, where would you want to see Ideas for Action and this uh, SDGs and her initiative go? And, and what contribution would you like to see it make to the uh, sustainable development goals around the world? May would start with you, perhaps. Well, three things. For the Ideas for Action, um, uh, next year is going to be the fifth year. So uh, we hope for more progress, and progress is measured by two things, by the quantity, and we are happy with the enormous progress, and we hope to reach not just uh, the 120-plus countries, but the whole membership of the World Bank and the UN system. Um, uh, in terms of quality, we, uh, while we are very much impressed by the, uh, the quality, uh, we need more in terms of... Uh, having ideas that could be workable um, solutions and scalable. Um, and the third is related to the SDGs and her. While it is following the good uh, um, uh, footsteps of um, uh, the ideas for action, uh, but we need really to see a big start uh, for this one uh, initiative, uh, given the importance of the role of women, especially young women and micro-enterprises in the society and the economy, and to have the impact shared. Wonderful. Georgia, I think you have the final word. What would you like? Wow, that's a big pressure. <laughs> okay. I would say, if, uh, first, to go beyond what usually is a topic of conversation of heroic entrepreneurs, people who will change the world, uh, solve all these global problems, we would like to see more progress at the local level, more progress of initiatives which are driven at the local level, solving the local problems, because that will be key contribution to solving this more broad 
other uh, programs. And that's what we've been particularly this year achieving. So we also want to see more recognitions of these ideas at the local level because they solve specific problems. And we will see in the coming months, in fact, that that is happening in Democratic Republic of Congo, which is a country with not that strong institutions. I think Nigeria, uh, Colombia, in, in the Balkans. Uh, and that's what I'm uh, really after, more in terms of implementation, but through that implementation, shaping the, uh, the, uh, the ecosystem inside the country and even sub-local level so that more ideas, which are not necessarily generated through ideas for action, will have a chance to succeed. Well, Mahmoud, uh, Georgia, thank you so much for speaking today with Knowledge at Wharton. Thank, thank you, you so very much. much. For more insight from Knowledge at Wharton, please visit knowledge.wharton.upenn.edu. Thank you.